We're continuing with our series on the Christian family. We started with the fact that um, the family should be built on the Word of God. Amen? The Word of God must be first place and final authority in our lives. Amen? Glory be to God. It is the basis of our relationship. It should be our guidebook for the home, how to operate marriage relationships. Amen? Now, we said that our family should be Christ-centered and kingdom advancement-minded. Where there is no sink in the area of our spiritual values, amen, all this come out of the word of God, but we pick this too because it's vital. The church has a great commission to go into all the world and do what? Preach the gospel, amen, and make disciples of men. So we have to be kingdom advancement minded. If we're not kingdom advancement minded together between a man and his wife and their family, there's going to be dissatisfaction. Praise the Lord. If one is more spiritual, more interested in the things of God and the other one is carnal, it will almost be like someone who's married an unbeliever. And the Lord told us to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, then every other thing will be added to us. Amen. Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. Hallelujah. Now, the other thing we talked about, that was number two, I just mentioned, number three, is that we should walk in love. That love has to be deliberate. Amen. It should be intentional, directed toward the object of love. And we said that we don't have to fall in love to marry. God does not command us to fall in love. Go here and fall in love. No. But he says that you must love whom you marry. You must love your family. Praise God. And love the people of God. Glory be to God. Number four is that we must be willing to acknowledge and ask for forgiveness when we are wrong. It makes our relationship easy to manage. You know, a lot of times people think that God is so only interested in us being perfect and not making any mistakes at all. But God is as interested as in us not making mistakes or sinning as in what we do. He's even more interested in what we do when we make a mistake. Hallelujah. That's why the Bible says, he that confesses and forsakes his sin shall prosper. But he that covereth it will not prosper. Amen? You'll be hindered when you're holding your sin and you're trying to be proud. Be reasonable, be humble, and be mutually submitted to the word of God before God. Be submitted to one another in the fear of God. As we see in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 21. Mutual submission comes when it has to do with the word of God. Hallelujah. When the word of God is first place, final authority in our lives, when something comes up and we were bringing our views, our opinions concerning it, and somebody, and you, one of you should say, let's go to the scriptures. What would Jesus do? What did God say concerning this particular thing that we want to do? Number six. The Christian family should identify with a local assembly of believers 
where they'll be fellowshipping regularly and be obedient to the spiritual authority as ordained by God. Hallelujah. Under the direction of a pastor. God gives us pastors. Amen. God, when God wants to bless a people, he will send them a pastor. In Jeremiah chapter 3, verse 15, it says, And I will give you pastors according to my heart, which shall feed you with knowledge and understanding. Praise the Lord Jesus. And when Jesus was leaving, his major concern when he was speaking to Peter, whom he had made head of the apostles, he said, feed my sheep and feed my lambs. And you're fed when you come into the gathering. It's not while you're at home by yourself and anything can come on TV and you go there. And a lot of people don't like to pay for subscription for YouTube so they can choose what to watch. So any junk can just come up. Everyone should have a sheepfold. So you're either a teacher or you are listening to some other person sharing the word of God with you. Amen. And we said when you get there and you're being counseled, first of all, you got to, when you're looking at it, you pray about it, Lord, what church should we go to? And he leads you somewhere. When you get there, don't after three months, when they say one thing you don't like, you turn around and you walk away. Because if the church is there to please you, you're in trouble and the church is in trouble. The Apostle Paul said something, he said, if I, yet, if I yet pleased men, I should not be the servant of Christ. The purpose of the church is not to please you, but to share with you the word of God, to share with you the counsel of God. And some of it you might not like. I'll tell you ahead of time. Galatians chapter 1 verse 10. He said, for do I now persuade men or God or do I seek to please men? For if I yet pleased men, I should not be the servant of Christ. If I yet pleased men. So seeker-friendly church is not a good idea. God-friendly church is a good idea. We don't preach to please men. We preach the word of God to save men's lives. All right? Number seven, the wife must understand that the husband is not superior, but in authority. Hallelujah. The, the woman was taken out of the man. They are the same quality of beings, the same hierarchy of beings, Some, the, the same intelligence, as it were. The woman is not inferior to the man. The, the man is only in authority over his wife, not the woman. It's not, men are not in authority over women. No. The, woman, the wife is under the authority of her husband, her own husband. She's not, under, she's not supposed to submit to all men. No. She's supposed to submit to her own husband. She should respect and obey him accordingly, adapting herself to him, deferring to him, and submitting herself to him. 
in Genesis chapter 2, verse 18. He said, now the Lord God said, it is not good, sufficient, satisfactory that the man should be alone. I will make him a helper, a helper, meet. And that word meet there means suitable, adapted, complementary for him. And so in the, in the functioning of a woman, she was designed to help the man function. In the context of marriage. Now that does not stop the woman from being a CEO somewhere. Doesn't stop her from being that. And that is why you need to pray before you marry. So you can stand as tall as you like and still be submitted to the man. You need to pray. Don't just follow your emotions. How do you know when you're following your emotions or you're following the leader of the spirit of God? Who is the person? The first thing is, are they saved? When they are not saved and you say you are in love with the person, your flesh is leading you. You're not being led by the spirit of God. Because God has already said, be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. Amen? All right. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. And he is the savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Can we go to Numbers 30 verse 3? Talking about the extent of a man's authority. This thing is not a pastor's opinion. It was God who said it. The things I've been saying to you are scriptures. Amen. It says, if a woman also vow a vow unto the Lord and bind herself by a bond, being in her father's house in her youth, and her father hear her vow, and her bond wherewith she had bound her soul, and her father shall hold his peace at her, then her vow shall stand, and every bond wherewith she had bound her soul shall stand. But if her father disallow her in the day that he heareth not any of her vows, of her bonds wherewith she had bound her soul shall stand, and the Lord shall forgive her because her father disallowed her. And if she had at all an husband, and she vowed or uttered ought out of her lips wherewith she bound her soul, and her husband heard it, and held his peace at her in the day that he heard it, then her vow shall stand, and her bonds wherewith she bound her soul shall stand. But if her husband disallowed her on the day that he heard it, then he shall make her vow which she vowed, that which she uttered with her lips, wherewith she bound her soul of none effect, and the Lord shall forgive her. Now, remember it has to do with vows. Do you understand? Your husband can't just come, we're going to come to the limitation of this instruction. Praise the Lord. He said, God will forgive her. 
Now, remember that the law was a shadow of things to come, not the real things. Now, a shadow is something uh, cast by an object. When light strikes the object, the part of it that is blotted out is the shadow. Praise God. So it, is, it came out of somewhere. It came out of a reasoning. Praise the Lord Jesus. And so God wants to demonstrate how he sees the authority of a, of a husband over his wife as that it was like the father, biological father, transferred his authority over to another man in their marriage. Is that serious? Now, but there is a limit to the authority that the man has over his wife. There's a, a limitation to that authority. And that comes in where what the man is trying to tell you to do will bring disobedience to God. Deuteronomy chapter 13. It also limits the power and the authority of a pastor in what they say to their congregation. Amen? Verse 1. If there arise among you a prophet or a dreamer of dreams and give thee a sign or a wonder, and the sign or the wonder come to pass, whereof he spake unto thee, saying, Let us go after other gods which thou hast not known. Let us serve them. Thou shalt not hearken unto the words of that prophet or that dreamer of dreams. For the Lord your God proveth you to know whether you love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. So any misleading or leading away from Christ cannot be God. And you're not bound to accept it. If, if a pastor is trying to suggest that what the word of God is, says is outdated, he wants to bring his own idea, just like some churches want to do, some called churches want to do, that they're not trying to legislate by the gathering of men and set aside the word of God that abides forever. They're setting it aside and trying to insinuate that things like uh, same-sex marriages are acceptable. The Bible says we should not listen to them. If thy brother, the son of thy mother, or thy son, or thy daughter, or the wife of thy bosom, so where the wife is, you can put a husband there, or thy friend, which is as thine own soul entice thee secretly, saying, let us go and serve other gods which thou hast not known, thou nor thy fathers, namely of the gods of the people which are around about you, nigh unto thee, or far off from thee, from the one end of the earth, even unto the other end of the earth, thou shalt not consent unto him nor hearken unto him. Neither shall thine eye pity him. Neither shall thou spare him. Neither shall thou conceal him. So let's stop there. Praise God. The important thing is that you don't do what that person said. Number eight, the husband should seek to honor his wife. The husband should love his wife and seek to honor her. That's what the Bible tells us to do. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church 
and give himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. For no man yet hated his own flesh, but nourisheth and cherisheth it, even as the Lord the church. For we are members of his body and of his flesh and of his bones. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and be joined unto his wife, and the two shall be one flesh. God does not require us to fall in love before we marry, but he requires us to love whom we marry and think every good thing about them. Place them on a pedestal. Esteem them. Honor the wife as the weaker vessel. Let's, let's look at First uh, Peter chapter 3, verse 7. Likewise, ye husbands, dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered. When you're not loving your wife as you ought to, you cannot honor her, and your prayers will be hindered. And if you're somebody, if you're a man who doesn't care whether your prayers are hindered or not, you were in trouble before you started dishonoring your wife. You need to honor your wife. Treat her well. Talk to her nicely. She was not a burden that God gave you. She was a gift of God. Remember how you were rejoicing when you were marrying her? How you were promising so many things. I will do this. And there's no mountain I won't climb big for you. There's no valley I won't go to. No ocean I won't swim because of you. You were saying all those things. You took her everywhere. You were glad to have her. You felt privileged to marry her. Now, that's become the doormat that you march on to go everywhere you want to go. God does not want us to be like that. Jesus treats the church well. Don't be abusive of your wife. If, if you got into a, to a situation and you said something that was not nice, have the boldness be man enough to apologize. So I didn't mean that. I'm sorry. And woman, don't keep saying, that's the way you always talk it. I'm sorry. I'm sorry it doesn't mean anything. You know, forget about, you know, you know, the Bible says if your brother sins against you seven times and turns again and says, I repent. You say, you must forgive him. He said, thou shalt forgive him. And Peter now waited a few days. Then he went back and said, did you say, because John has been trying me recently. Did you say seven times? <laughs> he said, no. I said, 70 times seven. I said, oh. <laughs> Hallelujah. So if he turns and says, I'm sorry, forgive him. I said, look, you cannot continue like this. And let the man be humble enough to be helped out of where he is. Praise the Lord Jesus. Do you understand what I'm saying? Fear God enough 
that when somebody points out something to you that has to do with God and your relationship, you're humble enough to accept it. That you fear God enough to accept it. You respect God enough. Some people think that that thing they're doing is because you don't respect God. If you did, you would do what God said concerning your wife, your family. A man cannot just get up, pack his bag, abandon his family and just walk away. And you still say you are a Christian. Say, oh, love him, God loves me unconditionally and all of that. You're just doing not, you're just messing with yourself. If you die in that state, you will go to hell. God will not take you into heaven. It's not possible. He said, oh, it's not by my works and all of that. God gave you grace. You see why the Bible says that except our righteousness exceed the righteousness of the Pharisees, you shall not enter into the kingdom of God. What was Jesus saying? He was not just talking about the gift of righteousness. He was talking about the manifestation which is the fruit of righteousness. He says, by their fruit, you shall know them. Hallelujah. He gave us grace so that we, in time of need, we can come. He said, come boldly to the, great, to the throne of grace that you might find mercy and find grace and mercy and grace in time of need. When you need grace, you need God's strength and ability to do what he has commanded that right now in your natural state, you could not do it. That's why you're coming to God for grace. And that's why he gives us grace. Lord, give me wisdom on how to handle this situation. <laughs>